the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> ho, 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 everyone. Who are you calling a ho? Uh, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas, almost. I mean, it's beginning of November, but I can just imagine how festive Australia is right now. We are still in Romania. What? I just remembered, I meant to pull up a client yesterday on a check-in that I did. Mr. Human, if you are listening to this, why is your Christmas tree already up in your check-in photos? Well, it is November. Honestly, I see Christmas stuff go up like before Halloween stuff, beginning of October. Australia's mad for In it. shops? Yeah, in shops. But not in people's homes. Well, Human's a festive guy, clearly. Is it? December 1st, is that when it's supposed to happen? I think so. And then you take it down January 1 or something like that. But anyways, Romania isn't very festive. I haven't seen a single Christmas tree. Shopping here is well below average. So haven't heard. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, you can't see this, but I'm not wearing any pants because it's not a purchase. <laughs> Honestly. So we haven't heard Christmas carols in the shops. It hardly feels like Christmas for us. But for all of you guys, I'm sure it does. Holy so. shit, it really isn't that festive here, is it? I'm just, I'm just picking this up. <laughs> not at all. By the way, I have um, have been sick with, Dean thinks it's COVID. I think it's just a nasty sinus infection. So I probably will having a, have a coffee fit throughout mm. this podcast. Did I tell you that I was watching a travel video? <laughs> The other day, mm. travel video I was saying, in case people heard you, didn't hear me. <laughs> and she said um, she was visiting BC. Okay. Before COVID. Oh. Yeah. It's it's become an acronym, BC. Oh, I like it. Christ has been flicked <laughs> to be on the Christmas cheer mm-hmm. and he's been flicked for the COVID. Right. Well, that makes sense because we kind of can think of the world pre and post COVID because a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we are talking about alternatives to trying to continue to lose weight over Christmas. Before we get there, though, a quick personal update. We are still in Romania. We're filming this only a few days before we release it. The day this gets released, which is Monday the 20th or something like that, 21st, we will be off to Spain. So that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. We will be off to Valencia. But I have a mm, weird story to tell you about Romania before we get into the meat and nuts. It's about the kid. Mm, (laughs) All right. So for those of you, trigger warning, that don't want to hear about a story including a baby that's being mistreated, it does not end well for the baby, skip forward like five minutes, Mm -hmm. okay? You have been warned. So there's a few homeless people here, like every big city. and uh, Very nice homeless people, mind you. Very, very. Yeah, they take no for an answer if... You're not going to help them right then and there. They don't follow you or pester you. Or if you do help them, they're very grateful. They're also honest. They ask <coughs> for money for beer should they wish to drink beer, mm. which I like. <clears throat> so anyways, I saw this homeless lady with like a three-year-old boy in her arms. And I got spare food, you know. So I brought it out with me that day, knowing that I'm going to encounter some homeless people. And when I saw her, I was like, yep, she's the one. So I put my food down next to her and she sort of nodded her head like, thank you. And then before I walked away, I was thinking, gosh, this woman still looks like she's within an age bracket where she gets her period. Like she would need pads. The baby would need nappies. She probably needs like deodorant. People aren't just going to throw these things at her and the little money she does get given, she needs to use for food, right? So like I'm going to give her some money. 
And um, I went to hand it to her, but I noticed like she couldn't reach up and grab the money because she was cradling this child, a sleeping child. And so what I did is I kind of like bent down and next to her to put the money in her jacket pocket. And she kind of shifted a bit to like, let me access her jacket so I could put the money in there. And as she did it, she moved the baby a little bit in her arms and the baby's head like flung backwards. So imagine you're asleep and your head flings back. What do you do? You wake up, right? I started, I'm like panicking telling this story now. I started panicking um, because the baby looked unconscious and I was like, oh, my goodness, your baby. I thought, like, is this fucking kid dead? Or, like, what is happening? Why is this child knocked out? And she um, all of a sudden couldn't speak English. <clears throat> and she kind of was like, oh, no, baby, good, baby, good, sleeping. I was like, that baby's not sleeping. He didn't wake up. Like, And she, she, she was calm and she said something about baby Panadol. Yeah, okay, your baby had Panadol and it's, like, knocked out. I don't think yeah. so. Um, but she was calm and she was sort of shooing me away with her hand. So I didn't know what to do. I sort of just in shock walked away like a zombie. And um, I, I went around the corner and I Googled, it just didn't seem right. I Googled um, Romanian scam sleeping baby. I don't know. I just thought like something would come up. Turns out it did. And um, there's local gangs. Apparently this is rife in like Bulgaria as well. So it's like sort of the Eastern Bloc, not yeah. just Romania. I don't know how they get a hold of these babies, but they do not belong to these women. Um, gangs prey on homeless women, so they're, like, legitimately vulnerable people. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know if they force them or bribe them. I'm not sure of the logistics. But they give them these babies um, because they know that women with babies get more money given to them and the gangs force the money out of the women at the end of each day. And <clears throat> because little babies fidget and cry and run around and want to be entertained. It's, it doesn't look as sympathetic. It doesn't look as sad as like a a poor sleeping child with a beanie on, you know? Um, So what they do is they actually drug, they inject the babies with heroin. So the babies are just unconscious all day. And because believe it or not, heroin is not designed for little babies bodies. um, Most of the children end up dying. And it like, oh, I don't know if you remember what I was like when you got home when I found this out. I was like yeah. spaced out. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I, I just couldn't yeah. couldn't string my words together. And um, yeah, I just didn't really know what to do. But I definitely knew I didn't want to do nothing. Um, and I just I didn't see her again. And I always walk past this same spot. And on Saturday night, like five days ago, I saw her again. And I saw the quote unquote sleeping baby. And it was the same kid. I was like, okay, the kid hasn't died yet, but like obviously someone's not doing anything. Um, and because I knew this was a gang-operated op- operation, gang-operated yeah. operation, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't want to like just take the child because what if the gang members come after me? Like I don't know if they're watching. What am I going to do with the kid? Like I don't know. I, I don't know how withdrawal works. I don't think you can just go cold turkey with something like a lot of heroin addiction. I don't know. Anyways, so I was like, but I need to do something. Um, And so I got home and I started calling all the local police stations. And people in Romania surprisingly speak really good English. Like I would say most people are fluent. And if they're not fluent, they... Yeah, fluent enough to have a conversation. I know like tons of Romanians that Mm. like full know all the in-jokes. And anyways, (laughs) I called about 10 different police stations. It either connected to a... 
um, like a fax machine. It rung out. The person on the other end couldn't speak a word of English, which I find hard to believe. One person said, my friend speaks English. And as I was on hold, it hung up. And so then I rung again and she just kept lifting the phone and putting it back down. Like they just didn't give a shit what my problem was. And so I ended up calling emergency and um, I explained all the details. I actually walked back to the spot where the woman was to get the exact location. Um, And she goes, okay, let me talk to my colleague. And she said, hi, I've spoken to my colleagues. It's not our problem. I was like, oh, (laughs) you can just imagine my surprise. Like I thought they would be thanking me. But anyways, not their problem apparently. It's the problem of child protective services who doesn't open till 8 a.m. on Monday, by which time the child would be gone. Long story short, I ended up um, contacting my tour guide in Romania, who clearly speaks Romanian. (coughs) And she called the police on my behalf because she could talk to them. She gave them um, like the exact location. She described the situation and they said, no worries, we'll send someone around. By this stage, because it took me about an hour trying to call all these people, I was calling them while I was cooking dinner. And when she told me the police said they'll send someone around, I left my um, dinner on the stove. I just turned it off and I bolted to the scene around the corner because, again, I didn't know if the gangs were watching. And I was so um, concerned about what was going to happen with this kid and I was just, like, crossing all my fingers that the cops were going to take the child. And um, I was really sick on Saturday and it was two degrees outside on Saturday night, but, like, I, I needed to know. And so I went there. And I waited and 10 minutes passed. I was like, oh, maybe there's traffic. 20 minutes passed. I was just expecting them to come with sirens almost an hour later. So it was like 45 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. Nothing. Not a thing. A couple of people gave her money, which I know wasn't going to her. It was only kind of fueling the problem. And I left. Mm. The end. Mm. What a shit story. I couldn't Mm. fucking believe it. Honestly. Mm. Yeah, there's not really much I can add to that. No. And I... this is this is one of the things like as you travel, like there's a lot of vulnerable people around. There's lots of homeless people in different countries, including Australia, where we're from. And, uh, you know, you'll have people argue like, what's the point of helping one when you can't help them all? And, like, <coughs> there's an argument against that for sure, because like helping someone is better than not helping anyone. Um, but it's also really difficult as you navigate each country and then the customs within those countries, I guess, in regards to how you deal with homeless people and beggars and all that. And it's very difficult to determine which are the right ones to help sometimes, how to help. Um, uh, but, yeah, stories like these and, and things that you see like this are really difficult. The, the thing that sucks about these is it can make you a bit of a, a cynic. When well, you help no homeless Then you people. help no one, mm. uh, which is something I think you and I have had some clear discussions on too, but let's not let bad experiences impact our ability to potentially at least help Most person, people so. that look like they need help probably do need help. Mm. And if you're unsure, give food, not money. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Or you know what? Dean and I are really big on asking them, what do you need? Or what do you want? And <laughs> We've been so surprised by answers. A lot of the homeless <laughs> people in England want a bottle of Coca-Cola. Yeah, they all wanted Coca-Cola. <laughs> so weird. And they were always like, could you give me a big one? <laughs> like, like they're asking for too much. That guy in Australia wanted a tin of Milo. I never yeah. would have just like bought a tin of Milo. Here, um, people have been more interested in water than anything else. I would mm. say, like trying to get their thirst quenched. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had people say no to things like a donut, right? Like, <laughs> funny, we actually, that's a quick side funny story. We met a homeless guy in Australia. What was his name? His name was um, not Live. No, what was it? It was Live, wasn't it? Live or yeah, something yeah, like that. And um. Anyway, he... Uh, life. He, he said his life. name was Life. Yeah, Life. He mm. chose to be homeless, put in for like 40 years, and he actually refused our food, 
mm-hmm. and then actually gave us some of his well, food. Well, he's vegan he's and vegan. he gets fed by local vegan restaurants. Yeah. And this is in this is in uh, the Broadie. Broad Beach on And yeah, and he had so much food given to him by holiday stays, including like tomato paste jars. Like, what the fuck's a homeless person gonna do with tomato paste? <laughs> anyway, so he gave that that to us and we made pasta with it. We did. Because, I mean, like, he wasn't going to use it. Well, we would see him most Saturday mornings because it's where we would go as a ritual on Saturday mornings. So mm. we brought food for him and but he gave us food. I would I would like to, to, to wrap this up on a positive note. I think mm. the greatest thing you can ever do for somebody who is homeless and or a beggar or whatever is just say hello and give them five seconds of your time to speak to them. Like Ask them their name. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look at them. Like, that sort of stuff. Even if you walk past and do nothing, you say, hey, mate, hope you're okay or whatever it may How's be. How's your day? Uh, these yeah. people are so often neglected and not seen. And I think being seen is probably far more value giving than even sometimes the water or the food. So, And you know what? Talking to someone and treating them like a human is free. So fuck, buy them food and also talk to them. Have mm. yeah. yeah. So that's my fun Romania story. I hope that next time I have a better personal update to share with you um other than my coughing fits through my horrendous story it's true you're gonna ruin all my punchlines there <laughs> i've just put a cough lolly in my mouth so i do hope that helps <laughs> um okay thing hi hey what's huh. up <clears throat> so we chose this topic today which is alternatives to weight loss over christmas because um i was just interested i was like oh i wonder how much people actually gain over the holiday period and so pulled up a study because hashtag nerd it's called um we'll we'll link it in the study notes anyways a prospective study of holiday weight gain it was on um american adults but we have similar cultures so we could extrapolate um and it suggested that 15 percent of their subjects in the study attempted fat loss over the christmas period and the results were that um their weight after christmas was actually no different to the study subjects that did not attempt any weight gain. But they put in the cognitive effort. They tried to restrain themselves around food, but their weight was actually no different. And the reason this is a problem is because when we have failed attempts at weight loss, what it does is it pushes diet fatigue onto us. So we've used all of this cognitive energy trying to create a result. No result actually occurred. And we can feel fatigued from all of that effort. It also Mm. reduces our confidence um, in our own agency or our ability to create change in our life. Because when we try and fail, obviously that it corrodes that. Yeah. I think like when you shoot out that initial statistic of 15% people attempted weight loss Mm -hmm. of that 15% of people that they obviously uh, had in, had in the study were in the same position as those that did not, it seems like it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like the perception there, I think when you quickly say, that, oh, interesting, they didn't gain weight. So that's not too bad. And you can maybe go, oh. Well, I didn't say that either. Yeah, I know that. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. People may assume that that is the case. Oh, okay. Um, but it's these things that you're now speaking about thereafter that are the, the things that people forget to right. realize. All the effort that goes into trying to lose weight. But not and achieving then, the success. Yeah, and then the feelings of failure that can mm. come with it. Mm. And um, the study showed that the more overweight someone was heading into a holiday period, so we can think of the Christmas season, the more weight they actually gained. <clears throat> Although, let's say someone weighs 100 kilos, right? They might gain three kilos over Christmas. Someone else weighs 50 kilos, they might only gain one and a half kilos. As a percentage of body weight, it's still the same. Mm. They've still gained 3% of their body weight. Did I do that math okay in my head? I think yes. I did. 
Um, but as a total amount of kilos, right, it's different. Um, now, we have various elements of our life or important elements, and they'll be different for different people. But I was putting some bullet points down, and I think I can generalize this for most people. We have <clears throat> some financial goals. Maybe we have relationship or family goals, career goals, maybe religious or spiritual goals. Um, and finally, we've got health and or fitness. They could be separate. They could be one of the same. And over the Christmas period, most of us realize that maybe this isn't the best time to try and frantically save as much money as we can. Maybe we're just trying not to put ourselves into crippling debt. Maybe this isn't the time to try and climb the career ladder. Maybe we're going to take some holidays from work and actually spend that time with our friends and build our relationships, let our hair down a little bit. But for some reason, people don't really consider how their health and fitness goals might change over this period. And they just continue to pursue their muscle building or their fat loss goals. Now, this can be really difficult when we're also trying to spend more time with family and friends. A lot of the events revolve around food. Maybe you drink alcohol. That also comes into play. And spending all this time at the gym to build muscle, maybe you don't have the time. Maybe you're hungover. Maybe you just don't have the energy. <clears throat> If you're trying to lose fat, that means certain things for how you can eat and drink, how often you can eat out, yeah. things like that. So it might be worth looking at some alternative strategies. Now, just because you're not losing weight over Christmas, that is very different to uncontrollable weight gain as well. So the alternative strategies that we're going to introduce to you today are a weight neutral approach and a weight maintenance approach. This means that we either press pause on fat loss Uh, so that we can enjoy other elements of our life. Or we take a weight neutral approach. Um, and maybe, Dean, I feel like I've spoken for too long. I was going to say, too, the <laughs> other thing people don't realize is this is also a time that you typically spend more time with work colleagues potentially as well outside of work than what you normally would because there's always work events as well. Friday night drink, Christmas parties. Well, it's just, yeah, the Christmas parties and then like end of year, whatever, you know, rewards <laughs> and all that kind of stuff that comes about too. So not only do you have to consider the family and the social and, and the friends, you also have to consider the professional uh, interaction that you're going to have at that time too, which is just basically a time that's just spent with a lot of festivities. So yeah, it's a, a time that people don't really, I think, take a, a moment to step back and think about like, what have I actually got to get done this next four to seven weeks in regards to events mm. and they go in blindly and it's no wonder that these people actually then don't have success in their weight loss. Yeah. Because you know what, like building muscle or losing fat always comes with some sacrifices um, and some restrictions, but the costs are just much higher over Christmas. And I don't think people have taken a moment to step back and think about what those costs are and decide if it's worth it to them. Because for some people who have, I don't know, bodybuilding competitions coming up in March, for example, Maybe they need to diet over Christmas and too bad, so sad. But most people do have the liberty of time on their side and they can press pause and mm. take an alternative strategy. But, but even on that, that, that comment you just made there, most of the people that I'd be dealing with from a contest preparation perspective, I understand this time is more difficult even for those because mm -hmm. they are humans. Of course. So we're typically going to do more work preceding Christmas time so that we can actually either hit maintenance or But even maybe regress a little bit in our contest for fat loss phase, knowing full well that we're ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. So which I just meant there, I mentioned there is weight maintenance. That's obviously one of the potential strategies we could take over Christmas. Let's talk about that. Uh, which is finding, you know, 
different behaviors and actions to essentially maintain your weight within a given range Mm -hmm. across the Christmas period by, you know, embarking on various behaviors that may help facilitate that. So we might be looking at things like, do we want to macro track throughout the Christmas period time and become more accurate? Or do we want to have a little bit more leeway in our macro tracking to allow some flexibility in our, our food intakes? but still sustain the, the goal of maintaining weight. So if, you, okay. if you've entered into the Christmas period in a deficit, so you're eating less calories than you're required to sustain the current weight that you're doing, you're losing fat, and then it gets to the Christmas period, instead of us trying to continue that deficit, which is going to put more pressure on social outgoings, energy, recovery, all that kind of jazz, we're going to shift calories back up and or shift our calorie burn down, or maybe even a combination of the two with the understanding that we're not trying to lose weight and or gain weight, we're just trying to keep weight relatively the same yeah. across this period. Yeah, and so when Dean says relatively, there's a range, uh, and we don't want to look at this as an absolute number, but rather a percentage. I would say that 3% of body weight would be considered weight maintenance more or less. So for a 100-kilo person, that would mean up to 103 or 97, somewhere within that range. Um, we know some people that just a, <laughs> a ball of fluid And they happen to gain a lot more weight, but we could consider it false weight. It's not muscle or fat. So for them, maybe a bigger range, like 5%, for example, is what they want to be looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Now, typically somebody who's been doing this weight loss phase may have been relatively uh, restrictive, I suppose, in their flexibility to their nutrition. So they may have, say, daily macronutrient targets, like a target for protein, target for carbs, target for fats. They may have a daily step target every day. They may have even five weight training sessions that are very specific. And what we might be doing at this time is just relaxing a little bit on the necessity of these things to be super accurate. So, Mm. you know, we might move to like a protein calorie target for some of these days when there's festivities Mm. uh, in in play, because we know it's not as easy to potentially track those macronutrients accurately. Yeah. And some people um, will only eat meals out where they feel fairly confident that they can get correct nutrition information for that food. Mm. Um, so maybe over Christmas, letting your hair down might, if you are macro tracking, there are obviously other approaches you can take. Um, just loosely estimating the calories and protein of a meal. Mm. So th- that could feel like a lot more freedom for someone. Yeah. Measuring and controlling for something is better than measuring <laughs> and controlling for nothing. Mm. Kind of like our discussion before, right? Homeless people. Kind of. Um, you know, so, and like we think about if an individual's eating five meals a day, seven days per week, they normally track every one of those 35 meals of the week. If we take one day and to say, hey, let's track three meals out of those five, and then we take two meals and we just sort of say, here's a calorie allotment for them. We're talking about two meals out of 35. Yeah. It's, it's sweet FA. So the impact that that may have on somebody's, um, you know, weight maintenance target is, so small that it's likely that it will be a successful week. Yeah, or if you're not tracking at all, but, you know, you have tracked in the past, so you have kind of an idea of what your intake should be, which is something we recommend for most people, uh, you could just use the hand guide. Mm. So that would mean you want to have about the same size and thickness as your palm of protein in every main meal. You want to have two fist sizes of vegetables in every main meal, non-starchy veggies. Maybe you want to have a cupped hand worth of carbohydrates, about a thumb size of fats. So that's how you would kind of structure your meals. It's a little harder when you go out to a restaurant because you can't control for every portion, but we're not going to eat out every meal, are we? We have control over most of our meals. So when we have control, that could be a really fuss-free way of going about 
nutrition? Is there protein in this? Is there veg in this? And usually just those first two things help keep calories under control and therefore weight because there's only so much you can eat in one meal. There's only so much you can fit on your plate. So just starting with that kind of accidentally bumps other foods off the plate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember we we had a a team meeting just last night, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And part of our team meeting, we do some education and discussion around that. And the discussion points we're talking about this week, one of them that came up was environment design and Mm -hmm. and a few other things. And one of the interesting uh, research papers that you had in some of the content you provided for the team to uh, read was the... Yes, you. (laughs) Couldn't Mm -hmm. be. Then who stole the cookie out of the cookie jar? Not me. I would have stolen broccoli. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things was is that people with prior education on their track on tracking, so people that have previously tracked understand food, if given the opportunity to eat to fullness, will eat the same amount in in total. Uh, I suppose uh, total calories. Was it total volume or total calories? I think I messed this I, up. I mean, because I provided a lot of content for the team, yeah. I'm not sure exactly which study you're talking about, but I think I know. Can I go for try? It. So I think the study Dean's talking about is uh, there was a study where there were two groups of people. One group were educated on the calorie contents of food and another group wasn't. Mm. And when it came to their actual food choices, both groups had no changes in their behaviours. They they acted the same way. Well, and they but, ate the same amount of food in volume. And they ate the same, yeah. But mm. then one group was uh, encouraged to fill up more on vegetables because they were taught about hunger management and lean protein and they didn't have any issues with hunger management but they ended up you know still eating the same amount of volume as the Mm. other group but they just ate far fewer calories because of the food uh, choices that they made yeah so like if you yeah if you put this into practice the interesting thing is is when you come into a period where there's highly uh, you know hyper palatable foods and then there's also fruits and vegetables, meats and all the rest of it. And you give somebody the opportunity to say, hey, eat until you're full, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, those with prior knowledge will typically fill up on the low energy density foods. Mm-hmm. They'll eat the same volume as the person next to them, but that person will eat the same volume on their plate from cheesecakes, cake. cakes yep. and so on. And therefore their total calorie intake goes astronomically harder. Mm. So this little bit of prior knowledge that people can, you know, subject themselves to hopefully Um, prior to the Christmas period, whether Mm -hmm. it be through plate planning, like hand uh, size measurements, like you mentioned, or they've actually tracked macros before and understand like what's in food from a calorie perspective is really going to set you up exceptionally well. If you're trying to, to maintain weight maintenance Cool. Uh, and you, you want to do that at varying levels of uh, accuracy, I guess. Yeah. So um, we're going to move on to weight neutral approaches, but before we get there, you were talking about the hand guide and because my mind is wild and creative, it went a few places. So have you ever heard, um, I, I don't know if it's a myth or not, that the size of your dick is about the same size as the space between your thumb and your index finger? I have heard that. Have you ever measured? I think I have. Is it the same? I think I have as the soft way of saying that. I definitely have. But it wasn't <laughs> soft when I did it. Okay, so with an erection, <laughs> isn't the same? I'm pretty sure it was roughly that. Gosh, I really wish How I had about like... stretch this? Is what the, I need oh, about no. a study of 50 people with penises to tell me. Because just because yours is the same doesn't mean... It's mm. not a myth. Maybe it's a coincidence. I'm going to say that it's probably within a, you know, a general average, just like when they do a study group and they say, you know, the average weight get a gain was zero. <laughs> well, yeah, that's because two people gained five kilos and two people lost five kilos. Okay, okay. You know, like maybe that's it. So you think it's like within a centimeter either side or something? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I need, can we do a study on this? Can we please? Mm. We need to. I mean, here's another weird one. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with hands, but if you take a pair of shorts Mm -hmm. 
and you wrap them around your neck. Okay. That will tell you if they will fit your waist, if you're within normal weight ranges. Really? Legit. So like when I used so to work like in... the waistline of pants. Yeah. So like them. when I used to like work in clothes mm-hmm. and people were like, I just can't be bothered to try these shorts on. I just feel like wrap them around your neck. <laughs> I wouldn't believe you. I'd be like, this fucking sales guy. Over here. Yeah, legit. <laughs> now, so if you've funny. got an abnormally thick neck, a.k.a. Will Crozier, yep. don't do this. You're going to buy pants that are too big for you. <laughs> but if you've also got a giraffe neck, don't do it. They're probably not going to fit. That's so funny. Um, but, yeah, you can just wrap it around like a bow tie. I love it. Um, no dick pics, please. But, boys, if you are interested in trying out this experiment, please DM me and just say it's the same size as my head. I also want to know flaccid or, or boner. It's definitely boner. Do you know how okay. Big- do you know how big that would be? Okay, please don't be weird. Please don't send me any weird shit. I just want to know if your dick is the same size as a space between your thumb and your index finger. Thank you. Shall we move on before this does get weird? I, I do have a tip. second thing to mention and is to do with dicks as well. We uh, at various points in Flex Success asked for feedback and someone said that they love the podcast, but there's just oh, not yeah. as many dick jokes. So I have one for you. And this is actually, a, I'm not on TikTok because ain't nobody got time for that. But my good friend Jocko, hi Jordan, how are you? Sends me funny TikToks sometimes. Um, and I thought it was the perfect dick joke to share on this podcast. Let us have it. Okay. Up I, the straight and narrow. Okay. Give it to us strong. My dick was in the Guinness World Book of Records. Okay. But then the librarian told me to take it out. <laughs> Isn't it just short and sweet? It's not a shit joke. It's a dick joke. But yeah, I thought it was great because I just didn't see it going been... there. Oh, fuck. Can I tell you a dick story too? Yes, I'd love it. I know we dear. So a client of mine is an ex-army guy, mm-hmm. and he told me about bush pussies. Okay. So apparently, I'm going to fuck this up because he told me once, and oh, I'm going to have to. But you right. get a, a tube sock. Yeah. You get the finger of a glove. Uh-huh. You cut the finger off that glove. You stick it inside the tube sock. Okay. Right? Then you fold the tube sock in on itself so that basically the glove is creating pressure, and it's just a glove with a sock on oh, it. Oh, I understand. And then you tape the sock up. And then you fill the finger hole with lube and you go at it. It's, it's a homemade bush pocket, pocket pussy. pussy for the boys that have been out there for a while that have no lady friends. Oh, man's got needs. It's fine. That's so inventive. I'm actually a really big fan of resourcefulness and I think that's yeah. super resourceful. But do you bring lube with you when you go out to the bush with I the mean, boys? I imagine they do. Why? This is where our taxpayer dollars go, to tube socks, <laughs> tube socks rubber gloves. Who has, lube. who has lube with them when there's like one backpack of all Maybe they spit people? on it. Yeah. Well, anyways, thank you for that story, Dean. Thank you to those who shared that. Um, whoever gave the feedback about the dick jokes, I think you're totally right. There has not been enough, mm. as promised in the intro, so I will up my game. And if anyone will... does have a dick joke, drop it below. Yeah, co- comment your dick joke. We might repeat it. Um, okay, so, <laughs> so weight, <laughs> weight neutral approach. Dean talked us through weight maintenance, where the goal is no longer to lose weight. It is to maintain weight. Within three to five percent, depending on if you are a fluidy mess or not. The second one being weight neutral. So a weight neutral approach means that mm, maybe you gain weight, maybe you lose weight, maybe you stay the same. We sort of feel neutral about whatever our weight does. Changing or managing body weight is not the goal. But again, this approach is very different to just uncontrolled weight gain mm. because this approach still encourages healthy behavior. So that would mean you know, walking throughout the day, um, especially if you have a sedentary job. It would mean always having vegetables and protein in your meal. Um, It would mean not only eating brown fried food. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, portion the, control. The real yeah. difference between the two is just simply the focus on whether or not you've gained weight, lost weight, being the the like the 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 measure for success. Right. So, like once or twice a week, if you were doing weight maintenance, you might actually get on the scales and see, like, am yeah. I about on track? Whereas with a weight neutral approach, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. And if you did, you technically should not be paying attention to it as a means to say this is successful or not. What would be deemed successful is if your behaviours align with your intentions, you know. And the intentions are to still, like you said, have health-seeking behaviours around whether it be fitness and or food or both. Yeah, well, we always want to practice portion control. We always want to listen to our hunger and not eat past feelings of fullness. Mm. Like if there's a craving, we always want to decide is it appropriate to actually eat the food I'm craving right now or is it better if I let it pass by itself? Um, so yeah, they are very similar. Mm. One just has a little bit tighter control and measurement to make sure you're on track, but also remembering that body weight fluctuates quite a lot more for some than others. Um, so if I'm trying to maintain 60 and I get on the scales and it's 61, it's not necessarily a failure because is it within 3% of my body weight, but also maybe yesterday was 59.5. You might want to get an average over the week, or if you don't want to do that, just don't freak out about little changes. Mm. Um, yeah. The the other thing too is that it, that weight fluctuation is going to change dependent on the phase in which you enter this festive season too. So like maybe a weight neutral approach versus a weight maintenance approach is more or less suitable depending on the person and the scenario too. E.g., okay. if you've lost a lot of weight through tracking and these behavior modifications, and then you get to the festive time, you just go time for me to be weight neutral and just throw <laughs> your hands up. Mm-hmm. then there's every chance that the weight regain that you may achieve is greater than you expect because you're coming from a big deficit yeah. and a larger loss to then a period where it's abundant in regards to calories. I agree and I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying. But at the same time, I think a lot of people use um, a weight neutral approach, which is actually just one part of intuitive eating, mm-hmm. as an excuse to eat like an asshole. And that isn't a weight neutral approach that isn't being mindful, that isn't maintaining healthy behaviors, um, or at least not consistently enough to say that you are, you know, Mm. just eating a salad in the morning does not justify Oreos for lunch. No, No. Uh, I don't know if that's what I was getting at though. I think I was more so saying is that solely relying on behaviors after a period of dieting, where you may not have even just practiced going without the measurement component of those behaviors like tracking macros, tracking weight, tracking steps, et cetera, Uh may not necessarily be the best approach. Because the person doesn't have the knowledge around like energy density of food and what a reasonable amount of activity looks like. Yeah. All those sorts of things. Or or even just the fact that they're coming out of a dieting phase where they're very hungry Mm. and then they're relying on willpower because they forget that the behaviors are more important and all these sorts of things. So, you know, and obviously, if you're an individual who requires to be at a certain weight and or a certain body fat within close proximity to this festive period after the fact, then it's probably not the smartest time to be completely weight, to, to go for the neutral Like someone approach. who's a model or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, a competitor or a, a performance athlete that requires to be within a weight class. Uh-huh. It may be smarter for you to go towards the weight maintenance. So you can pick and choose this based on, I think, uh, what you think is most suitable to you. Yeah, for sure. Whereas if your behaviors are already pretty much nailed and you're relatively weight stable good on yeah keep going yeah a weight neutral approach is realistically no different you're just going to take away the measurement process some people have to put a lot of effort into managing their body weight whether that's maintaining or losing or trying to gain weight whereas other people just naturally fall into what they actually want to do 
So you're right. It, it mm. would depend on how easy it is for someone. Yeah. Um, but I think so. the overarching mes- message here is that if your behaviours stay the same within a relative degree of similarity, then so should your weight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, this isn't an yeah. opportunity for people just to, well, I mean, you can if you want to, just understand the consequences, I guess. Um, but, yeah, behaviours shouldn't technically change all that much. If we're just dialing up or we're dialing down or dimming or whatever you want to Yeah, call like it, if you want to give more of, of your calories yeah. to a cocktail or wine, maybe just, like, don't have extra bread with your lunch. Just give it. I mean, know. this is me on a daily basis. <laughs> when we go out for Reuben sandwiches, <laughs> mm-hmm. I take carbs out of one of my meals. And mm. I don't add fats to a second. Honestly, it doesn't have to be hard. Just small tweaks. Like maybe I won't drink full sugar soft drink. Maybe I'll go for diet soft drink because little changes can make a huge difference. And it's not something we have to fuss over too much, calculate exactly, think about, stress about. It can just be like just fucking just make the small changes. It's mm. fine because small changes can make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Just move on. Make the change and move on. Mm-hmm. You don't need to talk about it all the time. You don't need to like mentally fuss over it. I know that's easier said than done for some people, um, but just kind of approaching it with the mentality that it's not a big deal. It's just I'm swapping my full sugar Coke for diet Coke and we'll just move on with life. Mm-hmm. Can make it a lot easier, less straining. Yeah. That's so for sure. Quick tips on setting them up for success. Yes, we have six tips. I've actually just thought of seven though. So I might. As you were saying more, I'm like, oh, there's so many. I know there are so many. <laughs> um, you? Good. Uh, I've written them down. You don't yeah. have to remember. No, no, no. Preloading is the one that I like. Okay. Uh, so this is basically taking the opportunity in the meal prior to entering this, whether it be a family gathering or whatever it may be, where there's a lot of high, uh, hyperpalatable foods, you can preload prior to that meal. Um, and this kind of goes towards almost even um, that study we were talking about before. You're going to fill up on lean proteins, lots of vegetables. Give yourself the opportunity to get yourself feeling relatively satisfied from a, uh, a fullness and hunger perspective before you enter into the zone <laughs> of cheesecake and apple pie and whatever else it is that you have so that you are at least going in there prior uh, prior to that meal somewhat satisfied or if not even very satisfied from a hunger perspective. So then all you're really feeding is not hunger but rather just your appetite and your willing want, or want for deliciousness. Because for sure if I am around really delicious high-calorie food and I am starving, it's harder to make um, good choices on what to eat. And it's also harder to practice portion control and mindful eating. I'm going to eat fast. I'm going to eat delicious food. I'm going to eat probably a lot more than I need. Yeah, I think even the perception of how delicious it is goes up uh-huh. when you're hungry. For sure. So then you're like, oh, my God, this cheesecake was a 10 out of 10 when really it was probably a 7 out of 10. Yep. Yeah. Whereas if I knew I was heading over to Nanny's house with all the best food, I'm probably going to eat an apple in the car and have a protein shake. Mm-hmm. So I'm not stuffed when I get there, but it's just easier to be sensible around food. Yeah. Mm. Number two, re-gift food gifts. I mean, how often does someone give you like a box of chocolate as a Christmas present or part of a Christmas present or Bailey's, holy shit, that is calorie dense mm. uh, liquid. Raffaello's, the most calorie dense little chocolate. Oh, I love those things. Ball of goodness ever. And there's nothing wrong with these foods, not at all, but successful people are just around tempting situations less often. Mm. It's not always that they have uh, more willpower. It's that they're just not tempted as much. They don't have the same hurdles. And so by accepting all of these food or uh, liquid gifts that people give you and having them around, you're just putting yourself in a more tempting environment. So why not re-gift? Yep. Tip, <coughs> tip number three, excuse me while I choke on my own saliva. Saliva, <coughs> re-gift leftovers. <coughs> or mm-hmm. 
let others have the leftovers that are the most delicious and you take the ones that are smart for you in that week. Hmm. Um, can I, can I, uh, I'm going to combine two. Sorry. Okay, okay. One of our other ones is choosing to continue to meal prep. Okay. Uh, and I think you can use the the food that's left over at Christmas as an opportunity to support that. So like if there is uh, an ham. oven baked turkey or a ham or chicken, take those home because mm. that's going to help you with your food prep. Good lean proteins. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just actually making your life easier and allowing you to reintegrate back into to, to, uh, add normality. Add some veg, add some carbs. Yeah. Happy day. So, but if not, like if, again, re-gift that food, if someone gives you leftovers, like apple pie and all the rest of it, you want to keep one slice for tomorrow, keep the slice, give the rest of the cake to somebody else. Fucking give it to homeless people. Yeah. If fine. you've got no one to give it to and you feel weird about giving like random bits of leftovers to your neighbours, give it to homeless people. Yeah. My God. Um, I'm going to swap. You know, I said I had a seventh. I'm actually going to swap plate planning for something else because we were talking it. about it. Okay. Your family and friends aren't mind readers. So my tip uh, for this point is that tell your family and friends what you need from them mm. and maybe let them know that, hey, this Christmas I'm trying not to eat myself sick uh, to the point that I actually turn into Santa Claus. Can you please not gift me anything to do with food? You're such a great, uh, you're so thoughtful with how you buy gifts, but can you please make sure it's not food? Mm. Or can you please not continue to encourage me to eat more and more? I'm an adult. If I'm hungry, I will get more food. Um, I'm really looking forward to spending time with you. Thank you. You've just asked all Greeks <clears throat> and all Italians to offend their nonas. Hmm. No, honestly, I think that often we can get annoyed at people for acting in ways that puts us in difficult situations, but we haven't actually expressed how we feel. Mm. And you're right. There are, so I know that was a joke, but there are mm. some cultures that really push oh. food. You might be surprised at people's response. Um, when you sit them down, look them straight in the eye and say, I love spending time with you. I'm really looking forward to spending time with you this Christmas, but I really need this from you. Mm. Um, yeah. Can I put you on the spot? Yeah. When you're at these no, events. I'm saying yes because I can edit it out if I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> when you're at an event like this and so you haven't had the opportunity to talk to somebody about it, <laughs> what is your go-to line when somebody asks you, would you like some of this, Liz? I say I don't really feel like it right now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm like that, or I'm I might have some later on. Yeah, the reason I do it mm. is because in the I, I learned by fire. In the beginning, I used to be honest and be like, "Oh, it looks really delicious," but I'm trying to manage my intake, and people would be like, "Look how slim you are! Come on!" Mm. and push it on you. But no one can argue with I don't feel like it right now. Mm. Is that why you say maybe later? Yeah, so I might have it later. It's a <laughs> softened blow. Yeah, they might offer it to me later on again, but then you can say, "No, I'm full from dinner." Mm. You know, so it's it's like I prefer the diversion tactic over the straight no. Okay. Unless I have a very particular goal. But you have to be willing to then talk about that goal, which is somewhat frustrating. Honestly, it can be draining. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's so many more interesting, important things to talk about with your family and friends than you fucking, I'm trying to grow my muscles or I'm trying to get leaner. Like, that's not very interesting. What if we go for a, a snide joke? No, I have a Coke habit and I prefer to do that fasted. (laughs) I get a bigger (laughs) high from my cocaine if I have no food in my stomach. Yeah, I might roll with that one next time. Okay. Solution number three for us is just to never go back to Australia and be with our parents. Hi, Mum. Hi, Dad. (laughs) They don't listen to this podcast. Say whatever you want. Um, Our final point is during the year, we always encourage people to be really intentional with their meals out. Don't eat out of lack of organization. Eat out because you want to experience a particular restaurant with your friend or you want to catch up with someone over brunch. Like it's about the experience. It's about the relationships. 
it doesn't really change when it comes to Christmas or the Christmas holidays. And we're not talking about a single day, obviously. Choose your food wisely. This isn't just what you eat, but when you choose to eat out. And remember that there are other ways to spend time with people other than chewing Mm. in the same room together. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. There's heaps of things you can do with people in in, in the festive period when you otherwise wouldn't have the chance to. So Mm. Um, I think the biggest (laughs) one for me is plate planning. Like you've been to a Christmas with my auntie. She usually puts on at least three desserts. She puts on a, a Bane Maria. I learned that it's not Bane Marie, guys. I thought it was a Bane Marie, but it's Bane Marie, where there's a whole selection of food in the big silver dishes. Um, and, yeah, I almost always, when I'm there, I'm just like, my God, there's an abundance of delicious food here. What do I want to do? I almost always just load my plate with veggies, load it with the meats, and then she has the three desserts, and then I make a choice. I either pick my favourite one and have a slice, or a third a slice of everything. So I have the same amount of dessert, but I get to try everything. So I think people get caught up a lot of the time, like, you know, that whole like last supper and or I'm going to miss out. Oh, my God. You Christmas know. will come around every year. You also have birthdays. You're also an adult and you can eat this stuff whenever the fuck you I was going to say, you also want. have Easter. You also have bakeries. You also have fucking everything. You can eat this same shit all the time. It's Christmas. It's the weekend. It's my birthday. Yeah. I just got a promotion. Like, there's all, honestly, food is not going anywhere. Could you imagine Chill if out. we did this in every country? Like, we haven't tried every Romanian treat. Oh, my God. <laughs> we haven't tried every Spanish treat, every Spanish cocktail. We love food. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I reckon it's probably like, 10 to 15% of the things that you can't get in other countries are worth trying to the point that they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other ones are just always a bit neutral. Oh, there's a lot of average food. Yeah. yeah. So don't ever, like, when, there's plenty of things we haven't tried here in Romania, but I know that I just, they won't be that great because I've tried the other things that are similar and they're not that great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the more you uh, become uh, okay with understanding that you're not missing out. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst thing that happened? We miss out on something here and then we find something fucking awesome in Spain. Exactly. I'm going to quickly forget that I missed out on Romania. On, I don't think we've missed out on anything here. I'm not a huge fan of Roma- traditional Romanian food. They do good soups. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a couple of other nice things, but nah, Romania itself and the food has not blown my mind. Yeah. My biggest, what was your, what's your biggest letdown? In Romania? Yeah, meal. Oh, my biggest letdown meal. Oh, okay. So the first day that Dean and I arrived, we, 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 um, we couldn't do our grocery shopping yet. That's normally the first thing we do because the apartment wasn't ready. So we couldn't come back with all the groceries, mm. but we were starving. We just spent hours in a plane. And anyways, we went out to eat. We made a rush decision. Yeah. That was terrible. Dean's meat, was it like pork chop or something? It was no, at, you pork, I got pork neck, so I thought I'd get something different. Right. You could have snapped it. It was that crispy. It was jerky. <laughs> it was so bad. I reckon probably that one. Tasted charred, though, which is kind of nice. <laughs> oh, um, that will never not make me laugh. That at least had flavour. Okay. The worst thing I think I've eaten was not bad. It was just so boring. What? Which was the side dish of polenta oh. on the pork knuckle. The pork yeah, knuckle yeah. we got was incredible. Well, I wouldn't say incredible. It was very good. It was Lots ten- of meat. Tender. It tasted nice. It was tender. Mm. But then you got this, like, ice cream scoop of polenta, and I thought, oh, this is going to be, like, really smooth enough. But you could chop it and with a knife. It was like it a jelly consistency, yeah. And it had zero flavour. It wasn't even and salted. And I'm thinking, I bet you these motherfuckers have loaded this with butter. and like, what, How does this taste like cardboard? <laughs> um, That's true. And it was at a really fancy restaurant. And uh, that was one of the few times <laughs> I remember thinking, like, I'm not going to eat any of this, and I don't typically leave food. <laughs> so it must have been pretty average. It was. Yeah. It was. Anyway. Um, we don't mean to shit on Romania. There's actually a, lot of, awesome. a lot of really yeah. cool things here. Um, We've had incredible food here, like yeah. very, very good brisket sandwiches. Yeah. 
I think you have to look for the really good food though. It doesn't mm. just like spring up on you like London, yeah. for example. Um, anyways, <clears throat> let's wrap it up. We've got ooh, three quick seconds. The first one, how to be less shit. Would you like to hit us with a how to be less shit? In regards to the topic? Yeah. I would say like try to deviate the least amount of possible from the current behaviours that are serving you well and they'll serve you well throughout the festive season. Okay. My less shit tip would be be intentional with your choices. Um, maybe Christmas means a little bit more indulgence and that is perfectly fine. But if you don't really want it at the time, is the indulgence really worth it? Mm-hmm. Be intentional. Think about it. I like it. Okay. Something we're sharing. You found this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are obviously traveling. Mm-hmm. No shit. Uh, nomadlist.com. It's called. I found that. It's a really cool website. It's a subscription-based website if you are a nomad or even to someone who's traveling and interested in, in what countries have to offer in regards to like um, safety, internet. safety, internet, um, tolerance to things like LGBTQ. Yeah. I, did I get them all? Uh, I, I think they've just left it at LGBTQ. Oh, fuck. Oh, is there an I? I think there's an I. Okay, anyway, I don't know. Whatever. Um, all people. All people. Um, whether or not it's safe. Uh, the internet speed, the, the average price levels. per month, pollution levels. It gives mm. every like country that people go to and then vote on scores. So it gives you the opportunity to make an informed choice, Liz, mm. on uh, appropriate destinations that you can still work from with or without difficulty. We haven't actually uh, signed up for the paid subscription yet. We've just been kind of poking through the, the free elements. So it's not like we have access to any. Oh, have we signed up? No, oh. but that's also something we're sharing. What's that? If you ever want to buy something on the internet, Yes. Put it in the cart, then disappear. For 24 hours at least. Almost always, most companies now have automated things set up, except for Flex. Ha <laughs> ha! We don't do discounts. We'll ask yeah. you to spend more. <laughs> yeah. um, here's the thing you wanted yesterday for 50 bucks. Now it's 55. Tomorrow it goes to 60. <laughs> you better <laughs> buy it now. <laughs> yeah, they almost always offer you a discount. And Nomad List offered me a 50% off discount Crazy. on the first year. Huge. Crazy. So yeah, do that. That's just something we're sharing. I like it, Dean. Yeah, no man, this is a cool website. Check it out. Nice thrifty tip. Mm. Um, so normally we move on to a hot topic, which is just a question that we ask that doesn't necessarily have a right answer. It's more opinion-based. But I think we're getting on for time. So mm. we might skip it this time, but we do have a juicy one. We'll save it for the next episode, shall mm. we? Would you rather, Dean? Yes. Oh, God. Would you rather have a constant eye twitch? So your, like, left eye is constantly, like, jittering? Mm-hmm. Or I'm just doing it right now, just doing pre <laughs> Would you rather constantly smell a little bit of poo? Oh. You don't smell like poo, it's just you smell it. Have you ever had a mustache before? Uh, and drunk milk? <laughs> gross. <laughs> That's never happened to me, but I thought of it. That would be gross. <laughs> um the mustache is a problem. Though. You don't drink milk. So. Yeah, I know. But eating burgers, eating anything that has to, like where your mouth and your lip has to push up, okay. there is a risk that for the next foreseeable few hours you will smell the food that you've eaten. That's and depending gross. on what it's like, it can be gross. You need to walk around with baby wipes just to clean your nose. Would I rather smell a small hint of poo yeah. all day long? All day, every day, every night. Right. Or have a twitchy eye. How twitchy? Mildly. Like enough to annoy someone that you're talking to. Enough to annoy yourself when you look in the mirror. God, it would but be can hard. you even look at yourself in the mirror that well? Well, yeah, you have like a normal eye. Look, smelling poo sucks. <laughs> How bad is it? I don't know. It's only bad for me. Selflessly, I should choose that one. 
The eye twitch? No, the, the poo smelling. <laughs> oh, because it doesn't annoy other people. Okay. But then even when we make out, you can't smell my pooey moustache? No, it's just you that smells it. I mean, you didn't even say I have a moustache. It's just a sniff. No. <laughs> um, uh, uh, a twitchy eye would be more debilitating than the smelly poo look. <laughs> so you're going to smell poo all day? Yeah. Good to know. All right, guys, if you're listening, uh, if you're on YouTube or if you're on a platform where you can comment, do comment. Tell us, twitchy eye or poo smell. Mm. I reckon, I know I didn't ask myself this question, but I reckon, uh, I don't know, this one's hard. I'm going to go for poo smell as well. All right. Would you rather smell poo or vomit there? Oh, I don't know. Probably rather smell vomit. Oh, I think poo. Do you? Would you rather smell poo or BO there? Probably BO. Don't know. Anyways, uh, one more. One more. <laughs> what? Go on, hurry up. Poo or onion? Like real burny onion. Oh, like, I think raw onion smells the worst. I think burny onion smells good. No, no, that, no. That I mean, like raw is in it burns your eyes. Oh. Like you've also that's the you got to think about what happens after that little bit of right. tears. You know. I'm still gonna go bo. Sorry, was it was it that wasn't the option? It was poo or onion. Well, you're gonna choose bo as the ultimate choice out yeah. of all of those. Yeah, bo is my ultimate choice. I think it's the most normal thing to smell. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I just pretend I'm in the gym. God, aren't you guys glad you uh, came to the end of this podcast just to listen to this chat? Mm. You're so welcome. Chat is also another name for shit, isn't it? Not that I know of. That's chat. That's not like it's terrible. And then I think... It's not another name for food. Chat is also a thing. Okay. Anyway. I feel like we're derailing now. Uh, If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends. Tag us. Give us a five-star rating. And we will see you in the next episode, hopefully with another dick joke. And a guest. Oh, yeah. And a guest. (laughs) Bye for now. See ya.